0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 387. They say good things come to those who wait, and this week's cruise story is about how Brian had to endure a lot of issues leading up to his freedom of the seas cruise. Don't worry, it has a happy ending to the story. Here we go. To round out 2020, I thought it would be appropriate to have one more cruise story to share with all of you, and today... We've got Brian Grantham joining us on the podcast to talk about his cruise on Freedom of the Seas, also which took place in December, not this year, but obviously a different year. Brian, welcome back to
1: the podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be back on.
0: Absolutely. We, uh, we talked with Brian about his uh, cruise to Cuba in which he hit three ports in one. And check out that episode. Kind of a fun look at uh, more than just Havana. That would have been a good podcast title. Darn it. Why did I think of that? Anyway, um, (laughs) we're we're here to talk about Freedom of the Seas, December 2017. So uh, let's get some backstory here, Brian. Where does this cruise begin before it begins?
1: Uh, So the cruise was leaving out of Lauderdale, and it was a Southern Caribbean cruise, eight nights. Um, Originally, we were scheduled to go to San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, St. Martin, Labadee and St. Kitts. Um, but if you can recall back to disasters long ago, I think 2017 was hurricane Maria. Mm. Um, and so I think we were on one of the first cruises that actually got to go back to San Juan, but St. Martin wasn't open back up yet. So we actually, uh, instead of St. Martin went to, uh, Antigua, um, and so we booked it cause we like the Southern Caribbean. We like, we booked it cause we like St. Martin, but sure. unfortunately, uh, natural disasters happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we booked it cause I like the freedom. My wife prefers smaller ships like the Jewel and Serenade. I prefer bigger ships like the Oasis. So the Freedom is a good uh, compromise for us.
0: <laughs> it's kind of funny when, pe- when, when we refer to the Freedom class as you know smaller or something like that. But after the Oasis class, there's just everything else, right?
1: It really is, yeah. I mean, Freedom does feel smaller, uh, especially we did an Oasis cruise not long ago, and we had one of the uh, back balconies on the boardwalk. And walking from there to the elevator is like walking the green mile, so the freedom <laughs> class feels like the Empress of the seas by comparison
0: <laughs> i know the I know the feeling all too well about the the bigger ships about you know usually i 'm I'm, I'm, I'm a f- big proponent of like it doesn 't really matter where your room is like as long as you know you 're uh, within reason I'm, i, I don 't really care if it 's you know down the hall or what have you, but on the oasis class or even the quantum class, if your room is down at the end uh it is a hike i start i start negotiating with like you know do we do i really need to go back to the room to get that thing or can we be without it for another couple hours because it always feels like relatively speaking of course that it's quote unquote a big deal but yes i understand exactly where you're coming from on that
1: yeah if you have one of those back rooms on an oasis class ship if you forget something just you don't need it (laughs) you do not it is not worth the walk back to it i mean it's, it's like 200 300 yards but it feels like forever
0: yeah, yeah, for for sure. So, uh, but nonetheless, you're on. Uh, you you took advantage of the relatively speaking smaller Freedom class uh, ship, Freedom of the Seas, and um, uh, it, it, obviously, Southern Caribbean sounds like a great setup for for sailing. And uh, I I think uh, again, even though the hurricanes were the 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 aftermath of the hurricanes rather were the issue, nonetheless, sounds like a great cruise that you picked out.
1: Uh, it was, yeah, we were really excited. Those are some of our favorite ports Like I said, um, and we were happy with Antigua. We love Antigua. They call it, uh, 365 beaches. So one beach per day. And so we always, uh, try to find a beach that the cabs don't like taking people to because there's usually fewer people on those beaches in Antigua. Um,
2: so we, yeah,
0: well, we'll get to the beach in a second here. In and in a before your cruise began, you had some issues, huh?
1: So we had some issues before the cruise began. Um, this is December, 2017. Um, if you can remember a time when the Atlanta Falcons were good at football. So if go all the way back three years for that. And we went, we live in Atlanta. So we went to the Thursday night uh, Falcons Saints game, which the Falcons won and our cruise was leaving Saturday. And so we did, the Matt Hoshberg no, no by booking flights Saturday morning to fly mm. to, I know uh, we <laughs> listeners don't try this at home. Do not book your <laughs> flight the day of the cruise. Matt Hoshberg will not allow it. That's right. Um, but to be fair, we usually do that when we cruise out of Florida, if we cruise out of San Juan, we will obviously fly down the day before because you don't want to risk that. Um, so we had flights Saturday morning, Thursday night we to the football game. And then I don't know, uh, some of your listeners will know about this and some won't. Um, Atlanta, Georgia is just far enough North that we get a snowstorm maybe once every other year, maybe once every three years. Um, and that's well and good. But the problem with that is unlike your cities further North, Atlanta doesn't have the infrastructure either on its highways or airport or whatever to deal with snow. And so, um, we've had various levels of disasters in Atlanta with people getting stuck in their cars in the snow for hours, um, before. So having said all that, the forecast was for snow that Friday before we were leaving on Saturday. And so I decided I'm going to stay home because I'm not going to risk getting stuck driving home in snow in Atlanta traffic on a Friday afternoon. I think my wife went and worked half a day that day, and she came home around lunch. So whatever, we're home. Um, I think we're packed and you know ready to go, ready to jump on the plane the next morning. Sometime mid afternoon that Friday, uh, we're she's taking a nap. And I'm sitting watching TV and I get a text from Delta that says, uh, due to the weather, our Saturday flight had been canceled. But luckily they had rebooked us on a flight Monday to go to Fort Lauderdale uh, for, you know, day three of the cruise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously that was not going to work. And so I woke my wife up. And told her about the impending disaster, and of course that went over great and so now we have to brainstorm because like i said it's it's probably three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, mm. so we've got about twenty four hours before the cruise leaves, um, and we're trying to figure out you know how do we get to fort lauderdale and so we talked about driving to Charlotte or Nashville and catching a flight like that night um, to lauderdale but our concern was well we might just be in this same predicament if we do that sure and we talked about driving down but the problem with driving down is well we have a flight back and i don't want to drive you know the nine or ten hours back um the day you know after an eight-day cruise right so what we decide to do is let's rent a car um and drive down and so i thought that would be easy but that turned out to be more difficult than (laughs) i thought um because some rental car we have a rental car uh a major national rental car uh, chain in our neighborhood actually but the problem is the one-way fee is exorbitant yes um and i didn't really know that at the time um and so i actually got on priceline um, and reserved a rental car at the airport. And I was like, well, what we'll do is we'll ride the MARTA, which is the, the train or the subway system here. I was like, well, we'll ride MARTA down to the airport. We'll, um, get the rental car and we'll drive as far, you know, South into Florida as we can stand to drive tonight. <laughs> And so uh, we actually got our neighbor to take us to the nearest MARTA station, which was about a, it's only about a mile away. Um, we rode the train down and we got to the rental car area, I want to say around 6 or 6.30. Um, and basically every flight in Atlanta had been canceled that Friday. Oh. And it's Friday, it's December, it's the day after a football game in town. And so as you can imagine, a lot of people needed rental cars. Um, and I did not know that they can run out of rental cars, but by God, they can. So we're in line at like the only rental car company that still had cars. And I don't even remember the name of the company because it's not one of the names you'd recognize. Um, and, you know, luckily we had reserved one on Priceline, which I thought meant something, but I later came to find out that really didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we literally got to the counter and I heard the lady say, this is the last car. Oh, so we got the last rental car out of Atlanta around 6.30, 45 p.m. And to her credit, when we went to the garage where they keep the rental cars, it was the <laughs> last rental car we got the last uh car out of atlanta that night so um we drive down uh, and we don't book a hotel yet because i don't know if we're going to stop in gainesville if we're going to stop in orlando i don't know how far we're going to stomach to get yeah um we finally settle in orlando and so we book a hotel online one of the hotels that actually is near Um, Universal Studios and we pull in at a, I want to say about 2 a.m. We three years later call the six hours of sleep. We got there the best sleep in the history of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It had been quite the day. And so, but here's the other issue we're dealing with and we could not get anybody from Delta on the phone because obviously they had hours of wait time, um, on the phone system. And again, every flight Delta had basically in the Southeast, you know, had been canceled and Atlanta is the biggest Delta hub. So it was, I'm sure a nationwide disaster because Atlanta got closed for 36 hours. Um, so what we had to do is figure out a way to get them to cancel the first leg of our trip without canceling the second leg of the trip. Cause obviously we wanted to fly back. Um, and if you don't make the first leg, I think they automatically cancel the second leg. Someone who's listening who may be in the uh, aviation business may correct me. Uh, but I think that's right. So we wake up the next morning. Um, drive down i think it was three or three and a half hours from orlando to the fort lauderdale airport to um drop the car off and so i said well let's go into the terminal and speak to a delta representative and tell them you know what's happened and to basically uh cancel the first leg but not the return flight Mm -hmm. and um that was the kind of thing that I thought would be someone's going to hit two buttons on a computer and it'll be just fine. But we <laughs> waited, uh, someone literally brought like a chair over for my wife to sit down because we waited Oh, geez. 30, 45 minutes or so. And it took three or four different people to figure out how to do that. Um, eventually it got done, but, um, Eventually it got done, but, you know, again, uh, we've been in the car for, you know, <laughs> 10 hours driving down, we got six hours of sleep and now it took about an hour at the airport. Uh, so nothing was easy <laughs> so far. <laughs> it eventually got done. Um, we got to the cruise terminal around one or one 30, uh, which if I can go to, uh, Matt Hoshberg's rules of cruise life number two, this is not one we usually violate, um, we're usually 10, 11 o'clock in the cruise terminal. Heck yeah. uh,
2: it
1: didn't work. It did not work out this way this time. And we were in a line that looked like, uh, someone was riding a roller coaster, uh, to get into everyone was there that time to get on the freedom of the seas. Uh, and so it probably took us an hour or so to get on, which is surprising to us because like I said, we're usually there. We're usually the first people on the boat. Mm-hmm. So eventually we get on, uh, we find the solarium bar and we start making use of our drink package. Um but uh and there's definitely one of those things where you can feel your whole body relax when you get onto the cruise ship oh, finally. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, uh after that it was honestly a, you know, a pretty normal cruise, nothing particularly, um, interesting or noteworthy happened on the cruise. I mean, San Juan was different. Um, but you know, otherwise it was pretty normal. Um, did you want to ask me a question?
0: Yeah. I was about to say the, (laughs) the, I mean, the ordeal you had to go through though, makes it, you know, that much more of a, of a challenge. And, I mean, talk about, I mean, it sounds like a, it seems like a scene out of planes, trains, and automobiles you had to get through to, to get there. But, you know, that, that's part of what, you know, makes the crew story, you know, interesting is that you go through those kind of things. And um, how was it, by the way, you know, obviously the ordeal to getting there is one thing, uh, but obviously you mentioned the impact of the hurricanes at the time. What was your recollection of the, um, or what is your recollection of the of Of the scenario that were, were the islands better than you thought they were going to be worse than they were going to be about what you thought, how did that work out
1: yeah, so we went to uh, Antigua and Saint. Kitts and Lobbidy, and those were all you know I, they were all basically the same um, I didn't notice any discernible difference in any of those islands I mean part of those is we just go to the beach in St. Kitts and Antigua anyway yep um. So it wasn't going to be much of a difference, but it, it, they had not seen, I don't think they were as impacted as the Virgin islands and St. Martin and um, Puerto Rico were right. by the hurricane. At least I'm sure they were impacted by it, but not to the same sort of devastating extent. Uh, but in San Juan and speaking to some locals, you know, old San Juan was relatively back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense because that's you know the main uh, tourist and commerce I think you know area, and it's the biggest city on the island. Sure. So it, it was it was pretty much back to normal. Um, we did speak to some locals, and they told us that you know there were still fifty percent or more of the island still so didn't have power. And I want to say this was at least two or three months after the hurricane. Still, I don't know if it was september or october of that year but um definitely two or three months later there were folks that still didn't have power and and still needed help
2: hmm. it's
0: it, so, I mean, it's it's definitely uh i mean your heart goes out for those kind of people because they did those issues and i remember going to st martin gosh at least a year later and it was still um you know they were there you could Easily see signs of the issues they were dealing with. So you know, obviously, not an easy situation. Um, it, it's um, you know the, the hurricanes have long, significantly long-lasting impact. More so than the, I mean, the storm coverage in the news will last, you know, however long the storm does a week, let's say. But the effects, though, the rebuilding, I'm not, you know, the the long-term rebuilding, especially, um, it, it's it's a, it takes incredibly long time. So. Um, it's, I remember when I believe that storm, if I'm not mistaken, was the one where Royal Caribbean helped St. Thomas rebuild Megan's Bay. Cause they got really, uh, damaged over there. So, um,
1: yeah. And I think, you know, you're into, I mean, some obvious things like one tourism is the biggest game in town on all these islands. Oh yeah. Um, and two, they're islands. So there's inherent difficulties that come with that. And then when you talk about San Juan and um, St. Thomas, there are issues with U.S. regulatory law like the, the Jones Act and things like that that make it difficult for vessels you know, leaving U.S. ports to go down there and help. Um, so all kinds of things that, that really affect the ability to, to build those places back up. But, um,
0: and that's why a lot think, of times when you see the relief stuff, whether it was in the Bahamas, uh, more recently, or, or like a certain St. Thomas, um, they get around, well, they get around the problem, legally speaking, by basically putting in those extra supplies and whatnot on regularly scheduled cruise ships, um, that are operating sailings. So, um, it, it is a hurdle, but, um, they, they're, they're very creative. They're very crafty, which is good. And that allows them to kind of, again, get around some of those issues, but, um, it's, yeah, sometimes it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, um, uh, it's amazing how sometimes it's difficult to do to help out even if you want to do the right thing, like the hurdles that are there more than just you know simple logistics getting you know supplies from point a to point b there's there's a lot that goes into it
1: yeah and you know, i i can't imagine how those folks are doing you know with basically nine months of, of no cruises now so i i uh I hope that whatever normal looks like in the near future we get to it soon, so we yep. can uh get back to uh patronizing those folks and seeing their islands.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, Brian, thanks for joining us here and talking and sharing the story and
1: wait, Matt, there's more.
0: Oh, there's more.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's more good. (laughs) So, uh, that was getting down there. Then we have getting back to Atlanta. (laughs) Um, so we get off the cruise ship and we have a, a mid morning flight that Sunday. And, uh, which I know is another Matt Hoshberg rule, don't fly that early, but you know we like to live dangerously. Um, and so we get to the Fort Lauderdale Airport, and for people who are big flyers or go to that area, they were doing construction of the Delta terminal, and so everybody on Delta flights was kind of cramped into one room. Um, and I don't know how much that was affecting the logistics there or not, but our flight got our flight back home got delayed. Not long. I want to say 30, 40 minutes. Um, so it wasn't particularly terrible. But it was you know, one of those delays you notice. Absolutely. And, and so we fly back to Atlanta. You know, perfectly normal flight home. Um, we land. And I talked to my wife about this. I can't remember if it was as we were landing or right when we landed. But the captain announced that the power had gone off in the Atlanta airport.
0: and (laughs) This is like, I mean, at this point, I'd be like, honey, you know, we really don't need to go back home to Georgia, right? Like we can go somewhere else. Like I'm sure, you know, Tennessee must be nice this time of year.
1: And so not only had the power gone out, but it had, it had apparently just gone out. And the reason that's important is because that 30 or 40 minute delay on our flight basically cost us, landing in Atlanta as the power went out. Mm. So we land, we sit um, on a runway for about an hour and you know, the captain and the crew don't have any more information than just the powers out. We don't know, you know, we're assuming it's going to come back on any minute.
2: Sure.
1: Um, It it didn't, (laughs) And so we sat on the jetway for about three hours, Ugh. and it was it was a little past five when they said, "Okay, we're going to pull over near the terminal, and people will have to walk down the the stairs uh, to get off the plane and I think the reason they were letting people off is it's five fifteen you know it's December, it's about to get dark, yeah, and so Um, I remember I asked somebody uh, in the crew about our checked bags, and he kind of laughed and said, "I don't know," I don't know when people are going to get their luggage. To be honest with you, and okay, fair. I'm sure that they don't have a lot of what happens when the power goes off in the world's busiest airport in their training manual. Right. Um. So they pull like the the stairs uh, over, and we walk over like onto the the terminal runway or whatever. um, And we go up through another set of stairs actually into the passenger terminal. And it's so hard to describe this scene for you. But I mean, imagine that the Atlanta airport stopped and for three hours, there was no power. So you can't buy anything or drink or eat. There's nowhere to charge your phone. Nobody really has any information as to what 's going on i mean it's it 's like post apocalyptic in there <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the Delta people were like giving out snacks and drinks like, of water to people actually in the terminal um, but nobody knew anything and so I, I remember in walking between terminals where the underground train runs. Mm-hmm that that was like the only place there was any power and so there were people huddled down there trying to charge their phones and stuff like that um like under where the walkway goes but again there's no there's no the the train between terminals wasn't running you know escalators weren't running or anything like that and so we finally get to the end of that walkway that the train goes through and for people that are familiar with the atlanta airport when you get to the end of the train ride to get to baggage claim and all that, there's an escalator that's probably a hundred feet or more high. Mm-hmm. And they are literally carrying people in wheelchairs up that escalator. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And like someone like passed out from exhaustion. Like it was obscene. Like said, it's, it's, it's really hard to describe this uh, episode because Uh, it was like nothing you'd imagine or seen before, just completely chaos. Yeah. And so just just people everywhere. Uh, Apparently, a transformer had caught fire at the airport and there was something about the backup generator didn't work either. And so um, I think it was 12 hours or more before they got the power back on. But this all led to the next travel problem. The line for taxis, uh, again, looked like a new roller coaster at Disney World. So uh, it would have taken us hours to wait for a taxi. And so I looked at my phone. I was like, well, I'll get an Uber. But there was no cell service either. I guess whatever had blown had blown the cell service. So there was no Uber. There was no Lyft. Taxis weren't an option. And so we rode the train back home.
0: (laughs) You know,
1: I I know uh, they filmed The Walking
0: Dead in Atlanta, but I'm not sure that like were you part like this seems like a scene out of
1: this like the the calamities you encountered. My goodness, it really was The Walking Dead. Uh, We rode the train home, and I say luckily we're only about a mile from a train station, Um, and so it was like not the most pleasant walk home in the cold. uh, A mile home, but. Again, like getting on the cruise ship is one of those things when you finally sat down, and you're like, oh, Jesus, we're finally here.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. I, well, look at the bright. This is what you got to look back on. It can't, you can never possibly have a worse experience getting back and forth to a cruise ever again. It can't, po- it,
1: it, it's statistically impossible. You would think that. I mean. Um, but tune into you know, next I, week when we hear about <laughs> it. You know, I think. <laughs> I I guess the takeaway is, you know, sometimes in travel, you got to be flexible. I suppose is the takeaway, uh, you know, thing, things happen. Um, and so we're lucky that we live in Atlanta where we're close enough that we can drive to those Florida ports. And we're lucky that we live just a few miles from the airport and less than a mile from a train station. Um, but it was, it was a disaster on both ends.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, it's, it's, and the real takeaway from all this is truly being flexible. It's one of the things I always talk about. Usually when I talk about this, I'm really talking about what happens on the cruise ship more than anything, but you know, there you have to, even though this is a calamity of calamity and boy, again, talk about bad luck all around. The bottom line is you have to remember that there are some things that are out of your control. Snowstorms. Is there anything you could have done about that? No. Uh, the power going out. Is there anything you could have done about that? No. There are just some times when you just have to take a deep breath and not be that person who's losing their mind, <laughs> yelling at somebody uh, and, and, you know, just going crazy. There's no there's no nothing can be good accomplished from that. There's a difference when something is in your control and you could have done something about it. OK, but you got to be flexible. You got to be like, OK, let's go to the bar. Let's have a drink and take it easy. And, you know, we'll get there. We'll figure it out. But it's, it's a good it's a good lesson to remember because everybody goes through this sooner or later.
1: Just remember, at the end of the day, there's a man at the solarium bar who wants to make you a margarita.
0: That's right. Absolutely true. All right. Well, Brian, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast again and for being a part of the fun. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's a good way. Uh, I love these stories, and it's, and it's a good lesson at the end of the day. So thank you, Brian.
2: Thanks, Matt.